you're listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast with Elsa Mitchell. Come along with me as I explore all the remote corners of Australia, uncovering success stories from women killing it in business. I'll inspire you, teach you, and best of all, make you laugh by sharing their journey and mine so that we can grow together in life and in business. Mom, have you seen my pants? Mate, get out of here with the podcast. Okay, welcome to the Bossy Bitch Podcast with me, Elsa Mitchell, and um, today I'm speaking to someone who, no offense, Jess, but a few years ago I would have been like, meh, what a load of shit. Um, (laughs) I used to be that person that would pull the piss out of people that would like gluten-free or didn't eat certain things. I honestly just used to think, just eat normally, just eat normally, just Eat, eat what you want to eat, but just don't overindulge. That is the key to life. But I love that honesty. I literally say to people, we can't sit there anymore and say, well, I ate that and I was fine. <laughs> oh, that's my gosh. My, that's literally one of my catchphrases in my seminars. So I love that you've opened with that. Yes. Well, I, my mum came over last night and I'd cooked a lamb and I had, you know, those delicious dinner rolls like that you put in the oven for the kids. I love them. And I was like, Mum's like, oh, I'll just have like a lamb roll. And she's like, are you having one? I'm like, no, I can't eat that. Trust me, I want to, but I can't. And she goes, remember when you used to have that girl that used to work for you and used to always complain and (laughs) whinge about how she was gluten-free? I'm like, yes, yes, this is karma. (laughs) So today I am speaking with Jess Wilson. Thank you so much, Jess, for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jess, I don't even know. You wear so many hats. You're like the 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 queen of the nutrition, gut health, hormone world. And I know that having some conversations with you, you just blew my mind. I was so captivated by what you had to say um, that I thought, you know, and it's stuff that probably everybody else already knows about, but for the people like me. <laughs> that have a lot to learn I really wanted to get on get you on the show so we could have those conversations again thank you so much honey and you know it's um we we think that people know this stuff but you can't forget that there's so much information out there on the internet that's confusing so even if we go yep you know I know what's good for my body or I know what I should be eating a lot of the time we're being fed so much other information that makes it confusing to pick through what's right for us. And it's interesting how from the beginning, like I remember as a kid before the internet, you'd, it would be the Woman's Day or the Woman's Weekly. My mum would be reading that and there'd be the latest diet in the magazine. There was always a diet and then there was always like, you know, they'd try and get the f- celebrities when they'd put a few kilos on. Diet fads have been something since the beginning of time, yet we continue to have them and it's funny how you get like, you know, the keto diet comes in. Everyone's on board with the keto yeah. diet. Then yeah. it was the intermittent fasting, which is yeah. still a thing. Everybody's on board with that. Then it was the plant-based diet because that documentary came out and everybody's yeah. on board with that. Like yeah. we know that there's diet trends, yet we still seem to fall for them over and over and over again. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time, you know, when people come into these diets, I hate that word diet, but it but it's literally what they are. Even if it's a clean eating diet, like something like paleo or keto or vegan, a lot of the time 
we feel so much better when we do it, right? Anyone that goes from eating lots of carbs and pizza and like drinking too much coffee and wine and goes on a vegan diet or plant-based diet where they're eating heaps of veggies, they're going to feel better. And the problem becomes when we have attachments to how we feel when we went on that diet. So then you don't want to let it go. So mm-hmm. I have clients who come to my practice who have been doing a keto diet for, you know, three years and it's not working for their body anymore, but they're so attached to it because it's what made them feel good in the first place. Yes. And then there's the other kind of person that's yo-yoing between, you know, on that cycle that, we, that we've all been on, in the diet, out the diet, in the diet, out the diet, and that's not working for them either. Absolutely. <laughs> This whole concept of um, sort of extreme diets and fads, they can, um, that's still carrying on. You're 100% right. Yep. And I loved the conversation we had the other week. So I was, you know, um, unloading all my (laughs) dietary stomach movement issues. You must love how people do that. Oh, do you know what? And I say to people, please, we have to get graphic. Like, oh yeah, like, mate, I haven't taken a shit in two weeks. Like, what do you got to say about that? (laughs) No, I actually have a chart that I send to people for my gut health clients. Like, it's literally a chart with little cartoon characters of, you know, healthy and not so healthy bowel movements. Yes. and these are the things that people, it's still a bit of a taboo subject, but it's one of the greatest indicators as to how your body's processing is what's coming out the other end, right? So I didn't know, I didn't know that our podcast was going to go there this early. Really, but. it really wasn't planned to, honestly. And that's just the way my foul mouth rolls. I got, you know, you've figured out by now, I go off on a tangent that's never related to what actually I wanted to talk about in the first place. <laughs> now we're talking about what different shit looks like. Absolutely. <laughs> such a powerful indicator of your health and that you know I, I say to people it's actually even on my questionnaires you know how many times a day and yeah is it digested or not I'm not going to get into the graphics on the podcast but it's it's such an important thing and people mm-hmm. it kind of feeds into the whole disconnect that we've developed with our bodies I talk about this a lot in my coaching and my seminars because we're so busy and we're on the run all the time and we yes. just want convenience and we just want foods become either a reward system, like we've glorified it. I can't wait to Friday night when I can have, you know, pizza and a glass of wine. Yes. Or it's become a chore. You know, I'm so busy during the day. I don't have time to eat. That's that's a hassle now for mm-hmm. me. That's kind of like the two categories that we often fall into. And there's this disconnect that's happened with our bodies that we're not using food the way that it was actually designed. And the same is true for our bowel movements and our symptoms. You know, how many times have we got niggling symptoms that we Mm. just address? We develop these workarounds because we're so busy and it all kind of feeds back into that concept that we're just so disconnected from our bodies and what it's trying to tell us. I think what happened the other week was, um, so I obviously had, have had stomach issues which were niggling for years and I kept ignoring them because no one loves pasta and bread more than me no uh, one uh-huh. like, I'd rather yeah. have cut my eyes out than have to give it up yeah. but then my it got so severe that it was really impacting my life like I'd have to be in bed at like I'd be doubled over in pain so I realized I had to start making some changes and I said to you, I think the other week, I was like, oh, my in-laws had been staying and they kept yeah. going to that delicious patisserie um, in Scarborough in Perth. 
and bringing home pastries and, oh, my gosh, every day they go, have some, and I go, nope. And then one day they had this cream brulee, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> dang. say it with a creamy tone. Oh, and I was telling you, like, it was the best thing I have ever put in my mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but then a few days later I was, like, paying for it, obviously. Mm. suffering and then you kind of explained to me why I did that yeah do you remember what you said what I said to you at the time was when we're going through periods of stress and this is such an important thing as women because we talk about the yo-yo cycle we talk about the fact you know people come to my practice going I just can't seem to sustain this I can't get off the sugar you know um I feel like no matter how strong my willpower is, I just keep letting myself down. When your body is tired and acutely stressed and super busy and literally in survival mode, which most of us are without even realizing it. And I have been 100%. Yeah, I've been going through a huge trauma in my life. I know I'm making a lot of poo jokes right now, but on a serious note, that has been happening for me, which you know. I do. Yes. And knowing when you're going through a traumatic time, when you're going through periods of stress, when your body's not sleeping, your cortisol and your adrenaline levels are high, everything's dysregulated, your body is very clever and it's going to trigger you for a quick source of energy. It's going to ask for sugar because it knows that that's the easiest way to stabilize your blood sugar and keep you running from that tiger right? It doesn't know the difference between a traumatic event and what's actually survival. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time, it's not your willpower that's letting you down. There are biological things that are happening in your body that are driving that need for sugar. And if you don't give your body that little pick-me-up, if you don't balance your blood sugar at that point, what happens? You crash, you get hangry, you get irritable, you get shaky, you can't focus. Mm. That does happen too. And what I was saying to you is in the moment, okay, have the creme brulee, but we've got to unpack what's the bigger issue here. Because if you're going through a really traumatic and a stressful time in your life, perhaps your diet needs to change. Perhaps you do need to be eating at regular intervals. Maybe you need lots of protein and healthy fats so you have a log on that fire that can burn all day instead Mm -hmm. of running with a coffee and the crust of the piece of toast off the kids' plates in the morning. (laughs) No, all the busy mums, I'm talking to you. And, And it's more about going, okay, in this moment, I have to stabilize my body. I'm not functioning. I'm shaky. I'm irritable. I'm craving this sugar. But it's understanding that your body's not trying to work against you. It's doing what it was designed to do. And getting on top of that requires supporting your body with healthier versions of sugars and proteins and fats and all of that to stabilize your blood sugar while you're going through such a stressful time. The more we sort of skip meals, rely on coffee, eat lots of processed foods, the more we're adding to our stress bucket. Absolutely. It's that cycle, isn't it? You know, even um, I always say if people that have got anxiety or depression or um, any of that, it's a daily routine to manage it. Yes. Literally from the minute you wake up and everyone has their own methods, it might be you take herbs or pills. (laughs) We're all about the pills. Um, You know, diet, exercise, meditation, you know, and then when you need that 
routine the most when you're feeling like absolute shit, that's when you fall off the wagon because you can't be bothered because you're tired and you're flat. So you eat the bad food and you eat the cream brulee tart and all those things and then you spiral. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you spiral down. And, you know, we've all been there. We all do it at times. But it's about getting to the point where you love yourself enough and you value your health enough to make it what I call a non-negotiable. And what I like my clients to understand is, hey, if if you're choosing to eat better at the times when it's the hardest for you to do that, you're going to cope with the stress so much better. Yeah. You know, if you if you get landed with these traumatic events and for you that's happening, you know, on a regular basis at the moment, news gets delivered and things that you have to process. If your if your body is stable, your blood sugar's stable, um, you're not ping ponging up and down that blood sugar roller coaster. <laughs> you know, drinking five coffees a day, if you're a bit more stable, you're going to be more resilient in those times of stress. Yes. Yeah. I happen to just reach for an extra glass of rosé each night. And in my head, I'm like, this is not good, healthy choices. (laughs) And I think the question then is kind of like, how's that working out for you? Yeah. You know, how are you feeling the next morning? Are you waking up foggy? Are you dragging? Um, Are you feeling like you're dreading your day? Or are you waking up vibrant and full of energy and going, I know that things are tough right now, but I'm ready for whatever the world throws at me. And it's a really powerful thing because your nutrition can literally be the difference between whether we cope with those times or whether we don't. Yeah, I love the whole concept about the your relationship with food and food triggers. I find it really, really interesting. And I wrote down a few things that you have said that I found to be quite profound. Oh. <laughs> um, you said to me the why has to be stronger than the want. Yeah, absolutely. Your why has to be bigger than your want. This is the key. This is what I do in my coaching. This is the key to sustainable, healthy eating long-term. You have to understand, first of all, understand your body and why you're eating healthy because we don't want your diet to feel like a chore. But when I say your why has to be stronger than your want, your desire to be healthy, to have energy, to live the life that you've dreamed dreamed of, to be vibrant, to have glowing skin, to be able to go and do the things that you want to do, um, to be there for your kids, whatever that underlying real driver is for you, that has to become the single most important thing. And if we look at something long-term, like if I said to you, Elsa, you could wake up every single morning with loads of energy, looking forward to your day and be able to get through your whole day without craving sugar right? Yes. Would that be more important to you than the creme brulee? Absolutely. Yes. But you have to put it into that perspective to understand you go, you want the creme brulee. You really want the creme brulee. Like it's there, it's staring at you. It's on your kitchen bench. And I think you even said to me, I'll just have, I'll just have a taste. Oh yeah. I'll just have one bite. I'll just have another bite. And And I was licking the plate at the end. (laughs) So that's a want right? You want the creme brulee. Oh, so good. <laughs> but if we could understand that that a creme brulee is a want, it's such an instant satisfaction because 20 minutes later you feel rubbish, right? Mm. If, if the difference between the creme brulee and having this lifetime of energy and happiness meant that those things had to go, then you probably would choose that. 
you know. I, th- I think another thing that is important to note at this point, I didn't get on here to talk to you about losing weight. Nothing in this conversation is about losing weight. Well, not from me. That's not where I'm at all. What this topic is, because I'm actually um, quite a small person, <laughs> yeah. and for me, my food issues aren't around losing weight. It's around feeling like shit, as I've already said. I always felt like shit for a long time. It's you know um, everything you just said. Going through a stressful, traumatic time and how do you get through each day? I've got low energy. I'm not sleeping, yeah. um, which then just makes me further anxious, yeah, stressed, exactly. and not coping with life in a good way. So we're talking about diet and nutrition in a completely different. Normally, people associate it with losing weight, but it's not even a, not even that's just like one small piece of the pie. Absolutely. Um, which is probably something I never, I was naive to because I'm old school, I think. I was growing, growing up on a farm, I have some pretty old school ideas about things. Yeah. And that's one of them. It's probably only been the last few years that I really am like, you know what, maybe this isn't a load of shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Maybe the food that I ate is actually impacting my moods, my ability to handle stress, my gut health, my hormones, my brain function. And the best example of that that I give people is, and I love that you said we're not talking about weight loss because it's so much more than just the weight that we are. Simple science, your body is made of cells. Those cells run on nutrients. Nutrients come from food. It's exactly like a Formula One car on a racetrack. Mm-hmm. It can't, you, you know, you you can't put sunflower oil in it or olive oil in the tank and expect the racetrack to, go, you know, expect the car to go around the racetrack. It just doesn't yes. work like that. We can't we can't hack the science of how the body works. It's kind of like feeding M and M's to a bunny rabbit. <laughs> bunny rabbit's not going to last very long. You know? <laughs> um, but concept of health from nutrition I call it functionality you just want to feel like yes fit human I just want to feel healthy I want to have energy I want to sleep I want to be happy I don't want to have to worry about it anymore they're the things that ultimately I think in the long run make us so much more happy than whether we lose the weight or we don't or gain the weight or we don't right Exactly. But another thing that popped into my head while you were saying that was, <laughs> and here's me just keeping it real as I love to do, but when we're younger, right, we're 18, we're 19, we're 20, and I know this isn't everyone but it was me, <laughs> I'm out getting boozed every night of the week and guess what? Yeah. I used to stop and get a sausage roll and a Coke for breakfast on the way to work. Wow. And I used to think, I'm fine. I don't need to eat that healthy crap. I can go out, get pissed all night, have a sausage roll and a Coke for breakfast, and I'm good to go. And And so you get older and you think, why can't I do that anymore? Absolutely. And here's the thing. It's such a powerful point to note that just because we ate all of that, I say in my seminars, it's one of my favorite sayings, we can't sit there anymore and say, well, I ate that and I was fine because we're not fine. Mm. We were. And in the moment, we had nice, healthy organs and bodies that could probably process that, but it's chipping away at our health beneath the surface. And all of a sudden, we hit our mid-30s. For me, it was when I came to have babies and I didn't didn't have healthy babies and my kids were really sick and I had to take a long, hard look at how I'd prepared my body for that and whether I had contributed 
to how sick my boys were. And when I say that in my talks, people go, no, 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 it wasn't your fault. My boys are very sick for those of you listening. Um, no, it wasn't your fault, you know. And I go, hang on, hang on. We can't do that anymore. Mm. We can't say, oh, I can just have the Coke and the sausage roll because if I said to you, Elsa, are you fine now? No. You know? No. No, damn it. I wish I'd known that back then and we didn't, right? But when we know better, we do better. Not and, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I do miss that Coke and sausage roll. Like I now I have a Coke too. and I'm like, bleh. Like how did I used to even, have they changed the formula or something? It's so gross. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Now, maybe that's your body's way of saying, hey, if you put that in me one more time, um, you and I are going to have words. Now what I do is if one of my kids and when we were down in Margaret River the other week, that bakery there, if anyone wants to know, has the best sausage rolls <laughs> on earth. My son had one. I was like, just give me a tiny bite. Oh. I just had to taste it. It was so good. But I didn't eat the whole thing like the cream brulee. <laughs> isn't it interesting? I wonder how many people out there listening would identify with these attachments that we have to these foods that don't serve us. A hundred percent. And I think as well, attachments to, um, you, you know, years and years, like decades ago, like when we were kids, my mum would have been taught different things about food. You know, it's like how the food pyramid used to be one way and now they're like, that's actually all wrong. So yeah. you, when you grow up believing, well, this is healthy, you need milks for cat. you got to drink lots of milk because for cat, you know, cow's milk, you need to eat lots of meat and, you know, a lot, lot of the – it's hard to let go of that programming to then yeah. go, hang on a second, that's no longer valid. This is now what is a healthier option. Absolutely. I, I literally had this conversation with one of my coaching clients yesterday. Our relationship with food and our relationship with ourselves is one thing. You know, the yo-yo dieting, the self-image, the binging, the, you know, that, that kind of skewed relationship that we all have with food and the in and out of diet, the weight loss obsessions, all of that that we have to work on. But don't forget that we've had this programming by the government, by the media, by the powers that be, the big food companies, also around food, what we should be eating, what I call the popular kids, you know, the pizza, mm. the wine and the pasta and the sugar and the donuts and the cakes, you know, it's all being glorified and put on this pedestal and it's kind of like you're cool if you eat those foods and mm. if you eat the healthy thing, you're boring. And so we, we've got this whole other kind of societal pressure that we have to deal with on yeah. top on top of our own skewed relationship with food and, like you said, our conditioning, our programming from childhood and how we were raised, it's such a monumental thing. Um, it's why I like to work with people over a journey and kind of go, hey, I know that you've kind of got these attachments to food, but like I said to you, how's that working out for you? Mm. How do you feel after you eat? Let's just ask your body. Let's not ask the internet. Let's not ask the government. Let's not ask our mum or our friends. Let's <laughs> ask the body. Do you bloat when you eat bread? Yeah. If the answer is yes, then that's the answer, right? Well, the only that, person that you have to listen to is yourself. That's what did it for me. I was so bloated. I looked like I was six months pregnant. It was horrendous. And I was like, this has got to go. And I remember I did a um, juice cleanse, which I swore I would never do. And everyone that knows me was like, oh. <gasps> What? You're doing a juice cleanse? I'm like, that's how desperate I am just to reset. Yeah. It was really good, actually. I only, because I'm pathetic, I only did it for three days. 
Um, <laughs> but it was so amazing. I'm like, oh, yeah, this works um, as a reset. And now that bloating, I'm, I would, wouldn't want it back for all the world because it's horrible and it's painful. But also, you know, isn't it, you know, you see on Instagram, <laughs> doesn't really pop up in my stuff anymore, but you'd see the food influencers and they'd be out with like, you know, for a while it became in fashion to have the big chocolate milkshake and it would have like yeah. a donut on top of yeah. it, like a cronut, yeah. and then yeah. it would have like layers of whipped cream and everyone was like, how yeah. good is this? And I'm like, is anyone actually eating that whole thing? Yeah. Is anyone? Or are we just buying them because they look good to post on Instagram? I really need to know. If you've eaten one of those and you had the whole thing, please shoot me a message. I'd <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to know how it worked out for you. If anybody could actually eat that whole thing, but isn't that such an example of exactly what we're talking about, how now we're glorifying the most ridiculous and insane amount of junk food and it's become a trend that people want to be a part of in order to be popular. But how are you going to feel and how hard on your body and your organs and your gut to have to digest that? Mm. You know, and, you know, you're talking about the bloating. I work with bloating a lot in my practice because I'm a gut health specialist. And here's the thing with bloating. When you're bloated, you're not just bloated. This is what I like people to understand because when you're bloated, you've also got brain fog, right? Yes. You've also got tummy pain. You're retaining water. Your body feels puffy. You're tired. You're constipated. Constipated, <laughs> exactly. It's just going right back to the poo thing. Constipated. You're sad. You're blue. You're depressed. You know, there's everything else that goes into you're this. irritable. You want to punch someone. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Just from being bloated. And when I say to my clients, when we're talking gut health or hormones, by the way, bloating is not normal. You should never be bloated. Mm. People go, what? And I go, I promise you that you can get to the point where you are never, ever, your, your body should not bloat. This is not a thing that happens in a healthy body. And people go, oh, my God, I've been bloated my whole life. And I go, yeah, okay. Have, so, you, have you seen that movie Bridesmaids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> when Megan... The chick, um, I can't remember what her, her actress name is, and she's like, not me, I don't bloat, it's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my favourite line. Yeah, and she's like she's like kind of abnormal, you know. It's kind of like, what, you don't bloat, you're not, you're not even a woman. And you're like, hang on, hang on a minute. <laughs> um, and often, you know, you were talking about the whole it's not just about weight loss thing. I promise you that if we talk to any other female out there and say, and take the angle of de-bloating versus weight loss, mm -hmm. nine times out of ten you would choose to lose the bloat first. You just go, oh, I just it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. My mum was giving me a cuddle last night um, and she said, oh, you're so skinny. Um, this not eating gluten thing's not working out for you. And I'm like, mum, oh. I'm, I'm not skinny because I'm not eating gluten. gluten. I'm skinny because – I'm going through a traumatic time in my life and yeah. I don't sleep and I'm stressed as fuck. That's why I'm skinny. Like oh. <laughs> it'll come back later. But another thing I also wanted to talk about was because I have started making some healthier choices and I think oh. I think I am, you know, like I, I'm yeah. having my coffee black most of the time and, you know, so I've, and I've switched to having um, like coconut yogurt instead of dairy yogurt. Amazing. But then I'm like, how do I even know this coconut? Like, I think I'm buying a really super, you know, plant-based yogurt. 
But I'm yep. like, this thing's probably fucking loaded with sugar. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, I don't even know. I think I'm eating healthier, but am I? I don't actually know. Yeah, that's such an important point because, you know, marketing companies are really clever with their labelling. Um, a lot of health foods out there are full of just as much sugar as non-healthy foods. But simple trick is to look at the label and you're aiming for under 10 grams of sugar per 100. That's just a great place mm, to start. Okay. You know, yeah. Just kind of look at the label, go, right, sugar per 100, as long as I'm under 10 grams, I've made a better choice. With nutrition, you can always keep drilling down and nitpicking. Mm. And, and this becomes a problem for even the healthiest of people when we become obsessed with being perfect with it. I look at you and I think, hang on, you've made some pretty massive changes for Elsa. To drop the dairy is big for people. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And a lot of the time, let's be honest, we hold on to that milky coffee because it's a breakfast replacement. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We all did it. I did it in my 20s. We all did it. I'll skip breakfast and have a coffee instead and that'll keep me going. So dropping the dairy is a big thing. And it doing it transitionally, like you're doing it, like in stages, mm. is, is such a great idea for someone like you who knows – Go all in. You're going to last three nah. months on the gym. Yeah, I can't go all in. No way. I don't have that kind of willpower. There's other people that go, nah, I'm going cold turkey. They come to my practice. They want to do absolutely everything right off the bat. And there's other people like you where we go, if we don't do this in baby steps, we're just mm. going to yo-yo again. So yeah. I would say don't even worry right now about the coconut yogurt and how much sugar is it. Just celebrate the fact that you've you got enough the dairy. I made the switch. And you've yes. made the switch. And in time, when your brain is less full and you're not going through so much and you're like, you're feeling better, your brain's less foggy and you can think about your nutrition, then you go, you know what? I'm just going to compare this one to this one in the supermarket. Yeah. Without my kids today, no one's hanging on my leg. I can kind of, you know, I could take my time a bit and you can compare them. But in the initial stages, I would say just focus on the big stuff, you know, the bread. Mm the dairy, the milk in your coffee, yep, and just tick them off the list. That's exactly what is working for me. Yeah. Another interesting thing was um, my friend Christy, who if anyone's been following my story will know her story, she, and my former business partner who's currently um, in palliative care with her brain tumours, just to take it somewhere depressing. Um, but anyway, for a while there, a few weeks ago in the hospital, she couldn't eat. So she had to have like, it was kind of like thickened cordial that she would yeah. drink. And I was, and Christy was the healthiest, you know, um, everything was organic, clean eating, gluten-free person that I had ever known. Mm. Um, so the irony of this situation. And I picked up the thing and I was like, because we were joking, um, her husband was going, taste it. I'm like, oh, this thing is loaded with sugar. And then I read the side of it and I was like, holy fuck. It was like 25 grams of sugar or something. And I was like, how the hell are they serving this in hospital to someone with brain cancer? Yeah, wow. That, you know. And I'm glad that you did go there because this is such an important Is it? I was like, is this in – I don't even get it. Do you know, honey, my boys <laughs> major, just to touch on a similar subject to your friend, and I am super passionate about this. My boys have had 17 or 18 surgeries between them. So they had a big medical journey and they had a major stomach surgery, both of them together on the same day many years ago. Right. They, had, they had to learn how to eat again for – it was like six weeks, no solid food. And then it took us up to six months to get them back on a proper diet. And it was really, really full on time. And in the hospital, 
they came out of this major stomach surgery, these two kind of babies, they're 11 months and two years old at the time. And the first thing we were presented with, with was wheat bix and jelly. Now, first of all, they were meant to be on a liquid diet, so that was a massive problem. But I was just appalled that we're expecting people to heal, it's to so... get better if we're putting chemicals and sugar and foods in their body that their body literally cannot recognize. But that's that's the typical paradigm of the old school nutrition where they go, well, X amount of sugar, you know, X amount of carbs, X amount of protein, X amount of fats, doesn't matter where it comes from. Well, it does matter. It absolutely blew my mind. And then what was funny was I picked up the other one next to it and I went, oh, well, this one's okay. It doesn't have any sugar in it. (laughs) And her husband goes, that's water. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can get like they thicken the water. Um, I know. I got totally morbid there, but it was something I had to share because I just, uh, I still can't get my head around how that is even happening. But I'm not here to bash the, the health system of Australia. Yeah, maybe maybe we won't go down that track. No, that's another episode. Um, so people like me and and others in my profession that are trying to raise this awareness and try to do good and trying to you know heal the heal the food of the planet one person at a time. Um, we will get there eventually. I think so, hundred percent. It's already is so much change. You know, you actually wonder where it'll all end up. Will eventually will anyone eat meat? Like I don't know. <laughs> I would hope so. I will to my dying day. Sorry, 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 all the vegans. Sorry, don't judge me. Um, Two more things before we wrap up that I wanted to say because you had two more really good lines that I loved and I wrote them down. One was change, I can't have that, to I don't want that. How did you feel when I said that? Would you know what I? it resonated with me because – um, and she wouldn't have been the first person to say it. Turia Pitt says, um, you know, you know, when you can't be bothered doing it, oh, I can't believe I have to yep. go to work today. Yep. Um, to I get to I go get to, to work today. And so this is something that has that was really powerful for me because obviously at the moment, you know, there's a lot of days I don't want to get out of bed. So but I'm like, I get to get out of bed. Yeah. I get to go and do a podcast with Jess Wilson this morning. I get to, you know, like that was huge for me. So I f- think that that line resonated for me because it's the same concept. Absolutely. It's what I say to people. If you know that the creme brulee makes you feel rubbish, <laughs> if you know that the bread or the pasta makes you bloat, then instead of when we say I can't have that, it's leading into that diet mentality of deprivation. Mm. Oh, I can't have it because I'm on a diet. That basically indicates I can't wait until this diet is over so I can have it again. Yes. Um, instead of going, I don't want that anymore. And what you're saying is not even I don't want the creme brulee. It's I don't want to feel bloated. Yes. I don't want to feel miserable anymore. I don't want to feel tired anymore. I don't want to. And it's just such a powerful language change in in your subconscious, the way that you speak to yourself that it's not about this. This is not a rule system of what you can and can't eat. This is about what gives you energy and life or what makes you feel rubbish. Absolutely. I'm choosing to feel better. I'm choosing energy. I'm choosing to not be bloated. That's ultimately what it comes down to. So saying I can't have that or I don't want that instead of I can't have that, it's Mm. just 
powerful shift in our thinking that all of a sudden when you're out at a social event and someone says, just have the bread or just have the pasta, what, you know, what's wrong with you? You go, you know what? I don't want that. It's like saying, well, just have this hit of ecstasy. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want that either. I'm always going to go with the inappropriate jokes. I, I And I did it last night with my mum when I got the dinner rolls out of the oven. I said, she said, oh, you're going to have, I can't have that. Oh, well, I, I should have said, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that. No, I had lamb in my boring superfood salad, but it actually was quite Not delicious. boring. Still, it was delicious. Because the bread's a popular kid. That's the society. That's how, it that's how we painted it. The bread's a popular kid and if you have you the know, salad, it's boring. You know when they come straight what? out of the oven like that and they're all doughy and you put loads of butter on them? <laughs> <laughs> they do look good. <laughs> also, you have to explore these attachments. <laughs> it's the country cooking from when I grew up, I tell you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's such, such a powerful thing for people to learn and it's just um, one of the biggest shifts that you can make is just the language that you're using around the food that you eat. 100%. And last but not least is the chocolate you craved for an hour versus the body you've craved for a lifetime. Oh, thanks. I can't own that one. It's not mine. I have Still good. Before, but I do love it in the sense, and by the way, I love chocolate. I'm a female. I have chocolate every night, but I have a dark and I have good quality. So I'm not anti-chocolate, everybody. You don't have to give up chocolate forever. It's just what kind of chocolate? But that chocolate you've craved for an hour versus the body you've craved for a lifetime, that's just another one of those why versus your want things. It's about saying, I can get this instant gratification right now, yeah. or I can actually live the life that I want. Yeah, I could make a better choice with this chocolate. I could go for a bowl of berries. I could have my coconut yogurt. I could have some dark chocolate instead. I, there's other things that I could do that would still allow me to have this body. And when I say body, I don't mean weight loss. I mean a functional, a good fit human, you know, a good yeah. functional body that loves you right back for the rest of your life just by making those tiny little simple decisions. And you said in the beginning of the podcast, you know, that we – you went along thinking I can eat these foods. I'm okay. You know, I can eat these foods. And I, I hope now that you and a lot of other people that you can understand more than anything, that connection, that the food you eat equals how you feel. hundred percent. I am a changed woman. (laughs) Big statement. Changed woman. Um, yes. And, um, honestly, I haven't eaten because I'm, I don't, I never really ate fast food anyway except if I was severely hungover I couldn't not have a chicken fillet burger from KFC it was just like the perfect and you know it tastes better when you're hungover just tastes different anyway I haven't done that for months and months and months except for probably a couple of months ago I fell off the wagon and I had and I don't even like these even when I did eat fast food I didn't like these but I got myself a um, sausage and egg McMuffin from McDonald's when I was hungover And I paid for that for days. It's horrendous. So obviously it didn't agree with you, but it's really important that we don't kind of create this picture that you have to be perfect. Yeah. That's super important. Falling off the wagon because you've had one fast food meal in, in what, a couple of years? That's really important that you're gentle with yourself about that. Now, could you have chosen better? Definitely. Should have had the Philip Burger. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to do it, there's definitely better choices that you could have made. But I would say 
I mean, first of all, it told you what you needed to know. Your body said no, didn't it? Yes. And you know what? Zambero's has a fabulous gluten-free um, burrito and Grilled does a pretty good gluten-free burger as well. Yeah, my boys, that's where we go. For ta- if I take them for burgers, we can go to Grilled. We can have gluten-free burgers, sweet potato fries. Like you can definitely do it. You don't have to be the boring kid. You know? <laughs> oh, I feel like we could talk about this for days, but we better not because, um, as I often say on here, my dad tells me they go to I waft on too much and they should right. be shorter. So um, <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up and say I feel like, yeah, I loved everything you've said, Jess, and Jess is on an exciting journey herself. We are currently revamping your whole business. Well, not not your whole business, just the look of your business, and it's going to be jesswilson.com is coming very, very soon, and I'm excited for you, Jess, because you're kind of creating something that provides for all walks of life, so if you're ready to really deep dive into your gut or your hormone or whatever your health issues are, you can work one-on-one with Jess. Or if you want to just dabble, tip your toes in and do an online course, Jess is going to have those available. And she has millions of recipe and meal planners that you're going to be able to access on her website. So this is very exciting, Jess. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. My current business, Paradigm Shift Nutrition, it's been my baby for so long, but working with you has been amazing. I'm so looking forward to the rebrand and just kind of to doing more of what I already do. Just, I just want people to feel good. You and know? as a skeptic, um, you really know your stuff inside out. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You've got my vote of confidence and I don't give that away lightly. <laughs> to get you off the gluten and de-bloated, then I think the world has won. Mate, if I can just shit on the daily, I'm a happy woman. (laughs) (laughs) I had to end on that. No, I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. And subscribe, everyone. I promise not every episode will be like this. Um, Thank you so much, Jess, for chatting with us today. And make sure you subscribe to my channel because it won't always be about poo. And give us a five-star review and check out Jess's new website and make sure you let us know how much you loved the episode. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast. I am Elsa Mitchell and you can find me at elsamitchell.com.au or if you'd like to meet my friends, please head on over to Facebook and I invite you to join our free group, Bossy Bitch.